Hello, guys. Welcome to another FYE podcast. Today, we are joined by Dr. Lavelle. I'm in the College of Business and Entrepreneurship. Right. And, and Robert today, Thacker, College of Business and Entrepreneurship. We are also joined by my co-host, Jerry, Natasha, and Stephanie, of course. Um, and we're just going to talk a little bit about uh, stocks and the stock market and investing and kind of like um, the general ideas uh, of that topic, because I feel like it's it's a topic that everyone is kind of talking about it right now. Um, but at the same time, um, I feel like nobody really knows what they're talking about. So like in general, stocks, what are you really buying when you when you say, for example, buy a uh, stocks from a, a company okay so a stock there are two types of stocks just to begin with one is common stock this is what most people will buy and then there is preferred stock now preferred stock is a special stock it's similar to a stock and a bond bond is basically debt that you're buying from a company okay and the difference between a stock and a bond is that a bond, you're buying debt and there's a not a guaranteed percentage that, uh, that you get an in interest from a bond, but it's a promised interest that you get from a bond, okay? So let's say I buy $1,000 worth of bonds at 5% interest, then I'm gonna get uh, basically $50 every uh every year that i hold that bond and let's say it's for 10 years so i get 50 dollars for 10 years and then at the end of 10 years i get my my thousand dollars back that's a bond and because it is debt uh in the case of bankruptcy it's higher up and if the company goes bankrupt the bondholders are paid out of the assets of the company uh when the company is uh dissolved now, stock, on the other hand, is ownership. It's what we call equity. You own the company, okay? Now, before you start saying, oh, you get to own the company, <laughs> understand that most companies have a significant, when they uh, first start out, they are private and they issue stock uh, generally to people that want to buy. If you've ever watched Shark Tank, how many of you guys watch Shark Tank? If you ever watch Shark Tank, what's going on there are people are buying private shares of a company. So when you see uh, Mr. Wonderful or Mark Cuban or Damon Johns, when they're buying into a company, and these are small companies, this is a private, these are private shares. They're not publicly traded. Now, in most cases, what ends up happening is that as companies grow, the initial vet investors, okay, like the people in Shark Tank, look for a way to get that, uh, that additional growth because until they sell the shares, they really don't get anything. They may get some dividends, but for the most part, and dividends are basically payments made by the uh, company to shareholders, okay? But most companies, when they first start off, don't have dividends because they're taking their money and reinvesting it in the company. Mm -hmm. So they don't really have a lot of dividends to pay. 
So as the companies get bigger, then the owners of that company want to cash in on the growth of the company. These are called capital gains. And what they're able to do is they uh, work with an investment banker who then goes out and uh, tries to sell the shares. And this is called an initial public offering. This is one of the areas where students get excited because they think they can make a lot of money because they see stocks such as Uber and uh, Google and Apple and so forth when they were sold for the first time. They see the price that it initially sold for, let's say $60. And then by the end of the day, it's $125, mm -hmm. okay? So they say, oh, oh I wanna get into these IPOs. What they don't understand is most of the people that get into the IPOs that are allowed to buy these stocks at, let's say, the $40 are buying it in bulk. So they're buying in huge quantities. It's kind of like they're buying wholesale, right? Mm -hmm. And then when the stocks are offered, are put to the public in what we call the secondary market, that's where everybody who really wanted to buy it puts their offer in how much they want to pay for those stocks. And that's what causes the stocks to rise. It's supply and demand. The more people that want the stock and there's only limited numbers of shares available, the higher the prices go, right? Mm. So that's one aspect that students think about. And the next aspect that I want to talk about is the difference between investing, which you talk about investing, but most students want to do what is called trading. That's the exciting thing. That's right. where you uh, try to get as much money as you can in a short period of time. That's very risky. And I'll, I'll share a, uh, a story with you, all right? Well, it's not a story. It ap actually happened to me. When <clears throat> I was working for uh, uh, a company called uh, Atlanta, um, I was working for a company called Amico, which is now British Petroleum. It's an oil company. I got to retire early. I, they gave me basically about $300,000 that was my uh, 401k, basically. Okay. And they gave it to me all in cash. And one of the advantages of that was they also paid for me to go to school. It was called early retirement, right? Now, I did all of this when I was 30 years old, all right? I'd worked for the company for, for basically uh, 10 years, and I took advantage of the uh, retirement because I worked overseas, and for every one year, you got credit for two years for retirement. Anyway. So they gave me this $300,000 and I went to back to school. I got my uh, master's in finance and I started doing best that $300,000. And it was a really good market and things were really going up and everything. And I thought, well, you know, I'm going to make a lot of money off of this. So I used futures and options. Now, futures and options are a very risky way because they're basically... Uh, putting a bet on a stock, whether it's going to go up or down. And it doesn't cost you a lot of money to do that. For example, so, uh, okay, I'm go sorry. ahead. This is separate from actually buying the stock? Yes. It's like putting the bet yes. on it? Yes. And what it is, is 
you you uh, when you buy an option for a stock, you're basically paying, let's say, uh, $5 for the option to buy a $50 stock. And let's say that the stock is selling today at uh, $45. And the share, the cost of that option is five bucks. And you think that it's going to go beyond $50. And so you buy the option at $5. And if it goes up uh, <clears throat> past $50, then for every dollar it goes past $50 you make $1 more above the $5 that you pay. So if it goes up to $60, you made $15 per share. So instead of buying the, the stock at $45, you just buy the option for $5 for 100 of them. So you basically pay $500 for 100 shares. And uh, you essentially have the right that if the stock goes past uh, $50, then uh, you're making $1, every dollar that goes over 50, you make a dollar more. So essentially after the first $5, so at $55, you're now at zero. You've paid for the $5 that you've already invested. And once it goes back about, uh, past uh, $50, uh, I mean, uh, $55 goes 60, you've now got, uh, you, you've now got $5 more. So You've already paid off the, the, the option and now you've got $5 more. So uh, 500 times uh, five is 20, $2,500. So you just made five times your money. And that's what options are. And that's why students get excited about it. The problem with it is what if it doesn't go to $60? What if it only goes to 50? You've got an option to buy it at 50. You paid $5 for the option to buy it at 50, right? And therefore, it doesn't go beyond that, and it runs out of time, and you lose your five bucks. Mm. So you're out a hundred. You're out a hundred percent, and nobody knows what the market's going to do. Now, the other thing that happens, everybody's heard about GameStop, right? That's one right. of the reasons you called me, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So what happens is there is a condition called a liquidity squeeze. Did you hear that term when you were? investigating GameStop. Right, the yeah, that's one of the, squeeze. the words I heard over and over. Okay, what that means is everybody that was that were professional investors were looking at GameStop and they were saying, GameStop is a dog. Why? Because everybody's going to buy gaming online. Nobody's going to go to the store and buy the games anymore, right? Xbox and PlayStation are doing everything direct, right? You can yep. go in and, and buy everything online. And so they're saying nobody's going to do that anymore. Therefore, GameStop is, it, it is going to go down in value. So what they do is they sell short. In other words, they borrow, for example, a thousand shares from somebody who has it. And let's say the shares were at that time, let's say $20 a share. So they essentially borrow the shares at $20 and they don't pay any, uh, they, they, they pay interest on the value. Let's say they buy a thousand shares at 20. So that's $20,000. They basically are borrowing $20,000 to buy the shares, right? And all they're doing is buying, uh, uh, taking those shares. So when the price drops, let's say it goes to $10 a share, then they 
buy the shares directly, pay back them, uh, pay back the thousand shares that they borrowed, and pocket the difference between twenty thousand dollars and ten thousand mm. dollars. And so they make ten thousand dollars off of that because they said, "Hey, this stock isn't worth twenty. We think it's going to go down." And that's what the uh, professional investors were basically saying. We think GameStop's going to be a, a, a dog. There were other people in Reddit that were individual investors and people that kind of play at stocks. But there are some people in, in Reddit and the Wall Street, uh, pod, not podcast, but in the, uh, the, the Wall Street. Uh, uh, Subreddit. Huh? Subreddit. Yeah. Uh, uh, chat room or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. that we're basically saying that we think there are too many people that think GameStop is going to go down and they are committed to, because they borrowed all that money and with the idea that GameStop's going to go down, right? So they feel that there's too many people that are trying to sell the stock. So if they start buying the stock, this was the idea that they floated, right? that if we start buying the stock. Now, one of the issues that was involved in there was that a lot of people that were buying, that were uh, part of the chat room were also part of Robinhood. Robinhood was, is a uh, type of a brokerage that they were offering trades for free. So you didn't have any transaction costs. They weren't gonna charge you $5 a trade or something like that. You, you would be able to do it for free. And so all of these small uh, invest, they're not investors, they're traders. And I'll explain the difference in just a second. Said, okay, we really believe what you guys say in, in, in the chat room. So we're gonna go, we're gonna go and, and buy GameStop. And what ended up happening was there were so many people that wanted to buy GameStop that it put pressure on those people that were hoping that it was going to go down, that eventually they started having to cover those positions, okay? They had to go in and buy the shares to cover because now GameStop get, kept getting bigger and bigger and they were getting huge losses, right? Mm -hmm. And in order to stop the losses, they had to actually go out and buy the shares on the market to cover those positions because they had borrowed the shares, right? And that just added more people buying. And every time there were more people buying and less people selling, the price kept going up and up and up and up and up. Okay. Now, remember the people that were shorting the sh shares were shorting a lot of sales and shares because they were institutional or professional investors. Okay. So they were shorting 10,000, 20,000, 40,000 shares, 50,000, 100,000 shares. So when they got caught and every dollar over the, uh, the price that they had borrowed it at, they were losing $1. Every dollar it went up over what they had borrowed it at, they were losing $1, okay? Plus they were paying interest on the, on the money that they, were bar that they had borrowed, right? And so all of a sudden, all of these uh, people that had all these large number of shares had to start selling those. And that put pressure. More people uh, buying, less people selling, 
price rose up to um, over $200 a share. And of course, that attracted more people because they're saying, look at what happened to GameStop. Look at it. Look at it. And so they tell their friends. And what do their friends do? They go out and buy more GameStop, right? And so everybody starts doing that. Mm -hmm. And there's everybody wants to buy. Nobody wants to sell. Price keeps going up, 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 up until it reaches a bubble. Too, it's gone too far, too fast and, until there's no more shares basically to go. And people start saying, wait a second, I, I just made $200 on this. I want to get out of it. So they start selling, right? And that starts, once they start selling, then the stock starts dropping. And then what do people tell their friends? Start selling. Sell, 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 sell. Okay. And so, bam, drops down to $65, $45 in, one, in a couple of days. Okay. And mm -hmm. that's what happened with GameStop. And what we call that is herd behavior. In other words, just like a, uh, if, if, you re, if you watch Westerns or something like that on TV, and you look at when cattle start, uh, cattle start stampeding, starts with one cow mm -hmm. and then another cow, and then the other cows, mm -hmm. the other cows are running, and then they just join in. And it's yeah. the same thing. People start buying, start buying, start, and they, they start joining in. And, and they keep doing that until now the cows start going another way. And then people start saying, oh, my God, you know, and then they start doing the same thing. They start selling altogether. And that just drops the shares quickly. And that's what we call volatility. It, it's that movement is volatility and it's risk. <clears throat> and it's all done by people we call traders, okay? And the difference between trading and uh, investing is investors are the people that buy the shares basically long-term and want to hold them and make a reasonable profit. Let's say make 10, 15% uh, return, Okay. That's a, that's a reasonable profit in stocks, all right? Generally, you're looking at maybe today, probably a 10% return on stocks, uh, uh, if, if that, okay? Uh, and, and this gets to the story that I started before about what happened to me. I decided that I wanted to, uh, to invest on my own. I invested 300. I got all the way to about 800 and uh, $890,000. And I said, when I get to a million dollars, I'm going to quit, sell everything and buy a bunch of bonds. And just my luck, that was also the year of a large drop in the stock market. It happened in mm -hmm. October. It was called Black Tuesday. It kind of dates me, but hey. Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening was I had, I had, had all these hopes. I had, I had invested my money. I was really up there. I, I basically uh, tripled my money. And I was uh, saying, just get me to that million dollars. And just my luck, we hit a crash in the stock market. And I went from 800 and something thousand dollars to 
basically $100,000 in three days. And I tell my students in my classes that that was the most expensive education I ever had. You know, basically an $800,000 education was very expensive. And so I started really learning what, what investing is all about, which is basically buying buying mutual funds or buying types of stocks. And what uh, the studies have shown us is buying a stock only gives you about 5% of what the general return will be in a portfolio. But buying categories of stocks, such as small cap stocks, large cap stocks, technical stocks, and so forth, and holding it in a portfolio gives you approximately uh, 10%, uh, not 10%, 90% of all of the returns that you get out of owning a portfolio, okay? Right. But it's not sexy because it takes you five, 10, 20 years to get what you would get in one GameStop. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Right. And that's so why like people get excited with the thing with GameStop. Yeah. But the thing that happens with GameStop, how often does it happen? And even if you go in, are you getting in at $40? Or are you getting in at $200? It all right. depends on when you decide to, to, to buy the shares, right? So if you get in at $200 and then it goes down to, to $60 the next day, you know, you just, you just lost, uh, you know, a, a huge part of, of what you invested. And this is the issue that nobody really knows what's going to happen, especially in these cases. Uh, they're just listening to somebody else instead of doing their own research, doing what they, th- you know, doing what somebody else is telling them to do. Mm-hmm. And so... That's why I generally tell my students, if you wanna start investing, invest. If you wanna start day trading, that's gonna be a whole nother education because Mm -hmm. it's a lot harder to day trade. Day trading means that you're trying to basically catch that quick buck, okay? Right. And you're just watching individual stocks and trying to track them and, and say, oh, I think this stock is low, but you got to have a reason for why you think it's low. Traders use what is normally called technical analysis. They look at the, the stock and they say, well, if you see the stock curve in, uh, in purchases, uh, do this, then this type of curve says buy it. And if you look at this other curve, this tells you to sell it. Mm-hmm. And if you ever go on to CNBC or any of the shows, they have, uh, for example, in the afternoon, they have what uh, shows where they have technical traders and they'll show you, okay, these are these curves and this is what it's supposed to do and so forth. And it's, it's very hard to remember 
what those are and you have to have uh, access to systems that let you see that information. For example, a Bloomberg uh, uh, terminal that lets you see that information costs you about uh, at a minimum $40,000 a month. (laughs) (laughs) So you can kind of see that the people that really do this for a living, they have to have a lot of money to make up for the cost that they're that that they're spending, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I've got a couple of my friends that do day trading, and uh, some of my friends have lost over a million dollars in two days, mm-hmm. and then they've made it up a week later. If you can't lose that much money, <laughs> or you can't even come to be able to spend enough money to to lose it, then that's probably not what you want to do, right? Yeah. And they make most of their money off of just small changes in the stocks, but they buy like 10,000 shares of it. Mm -hmm. So if it goes up 10 or 25 cents, they make a lot of money. If it goes down 10, then they lose a lot of money. Okay. If you try to do it, you'll make maybe $2 and 50 cents. And it's not even worth, I mean, with that, you can't even buy a decent bu- a, a cup of Starbucks coffee, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and that's kind of what makes the difference. Now, I've known I've thrown a lot of terms at you, and I've given you a lot of information. So ask me questions on what I've talked about, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, to... to especially for your listeners and so forth, so that maybe they can understand it a little better. Um, okay, so I have a question. Uh, it, when you're buying on, say, for example, Robinhood. Okay. Um, so let's say you buy some stock. Is there a, a limit or like, um, like a time limit or an amount of money that you can later sell? Like, because... You buy, let's say, forty dollars. Is there a, is there a limit on what you can sell right away, or like a time limit? No, that's the beauty of the markets. Uh, as long as it's publicly sold, publicly held, you can sell it. Uh, you can buy it in the morning and sell it in the afternoon. Mm. Okay. Now, mm. when you talk about Robinhood, understand that Robinhood is a broker. All they do is they're, they're like the real estate agents okay. of stock, okay? So you want to go and look for a house, you get a real estate agent and they help you do that, right? It's the same thing. You put in an order through Robinhood and then Robinhood places that order for you, okay? And then when you want to sell, you put that order into Robinhood and Robinhood uh, sells those shares for you. Now, because Robinhood, and this is a problem, because Robinhood is free, they got to make their money somehow, right? right. So what do they do? They sell your information and they sell your trades to large companies, Citadel Securities and so forth. And what they do is they see what you're trading and they get that information 
And then if they see a lot of people, like in the case of GameStop, trading GameStop, then they'll put their order in in front of you so that they can buy it cheaper than what you do. So you may have to buy it at 50, but they get it at 45. Does that make sense? Okay. And that's how they make their money. Mm -hmm. but, the, but you get your trade for free, but you just paid $5 more because you paid, you didn't pay anything for it. Okay. Mm. Does that make sense? Now, the other reason that students like to uh, bet in stocks, Jerry, you look like a gamer. I can yes. tell by your, yes. your chair. <laughs> yes, I am. And when you game, you get kind of a high, right? Yeah. Okay. Buying stocks gives you kind of the same high. I, I, I'll tell you a story. My father, every week he buys a, a lottery ticket. I say, mm -hmm. dad, you never win the lottery ticket. Why do you buy the lottery ticket? He says, because when I buy the lottery ticket, at least for about three or four days, I get to dream about what I'm going to do with all the money I get. You know? And what a lot of students do when they buy stocks for the first time, they buy the shares because they think they're, they're going to be able to dream about all of the things they're going to do, all the video games they're going to be able to buy with the money <laughs> they, get, they get, you know? And so that's, that's why it appeals to a lot of students because students tend to be risk takers. Mm -hmm. If you don't have anything to lose something, it's not that important to you. Okay. And so if, if I've got a hundred dollars, I can buy video games with it. But instead of buying video games, I had a chance to win $200. Then you say, well, shoot, you know, and if I lose it, oh, okay, I can't get the video games, but yeah. you don't, you don't think that much about it. Right. The, uh, and that's why it appeals a lot to students, but that's very risky because you could lose it. All right. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's the issue. I, I certainly don't recommend that you take all of your scholarship money or something like that and bet it in the stock market and say, well, when I, when, when I get all this money back, I'll pay off my tuition. You know, it, 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 it doesn't work like that. I'll pay my loans. <laughs> I, um, I like understand that sentiment a lot because um, even in like, so I do lots of, um, I guess you would say like competitive like gaming and the way, the, the way it works is kind of the same way with stocks. Like the more and more you invest in these games and in your like ranking, the more mm -hmm. likely if you make one loss that's going to impact you tremendously. So it's about like, I guess, getting that return on investment and understanding like exactly how much you're putting into this, it's going to get more and more riskier. And that's yeah. just like kind of, yeah. And, and Jerry, it's also the other thing you talk about competitive, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say uh, Gerson it, is talking to you and he says he bought GameStop at, at, at 60 and it's already up to $100. And so you think, well, I'm not going to let him beat me out. So you go out and buy GameStop at $100 and it goes up, it, it goes up to $200. And you tell Gerson, well, I just got, <laughs> I bought GameStop at 100 and I'm, I'm, a, I'm at $200. Mm -hmm. And so what ends up happening is Gerson doesn't want to stop beating you. So 
Gerson goes in and buys more. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so he buys at 200, let's say $210. And you don't sell, Jerry. You say, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep this because I'm going to get even more. And mm-hmm. so when it starts dropping, Gerson's already bought it at 210. You bought it at 100. And you're saying, oh, it'll go back up. It'll go back up. It'll go back up. And what happens? Boom. It drops to, to 60. And you finally say, well, I don't really want to, I don't want really to want to sell it because when I <laughs> sell it, then I have to admit that I lost money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> eventually you may have to sell because you need to get a little bit of money back or you just watch it go all the way down to, you know, to 40 or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's all that competitive from somebody else. And you're trying to get these bragging rights, right? Right. So you're not trying to try to do this scientifically or anything like that. You're just trying to beat your buddy. And I'll tell you what, women are actually better at the stock market than men are because they don't tend to be as competitive. <laughs> right. And they tend to be more frugal in where they spend their money. Mm-hmm. So when it, it, the they tend to be less willing to put money into risky things. And as a result, unfortunately, many women, when they go to work, and this is one of the issues when you talk about investing, when you go to work, you get a 401k. This is money that's set aside for your retirement, right? Mm -hmm. Women will tend to put that money in the most conservative investments, the ones that get the least amount of interest because they don't want to and they they don't want to take risk. The problem with that is because they go with the most conservative, they may not even cover the inflation, the cost of inflation. Mm. So by the time they retire, they really don't have that much money to retire because they decided they wanted to be, you know, they didn't want to take a lot of risk. Men, on the other hand, tend to be more risk takers. And so they will end up taking the one that's, that, that they see in the past gave them the greatest amount of, of, of return. They'll look at a, 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 a mutual fund that maybe had a 20% return and they'll say, I want that one. And past performance does not mean future results. Right. And so they'll put all their money in that and then it drops because the economy goes down because of something like COVID. And then they don't have anything when they're ready to retire. So this is where understanding where uh, investing in the middle with stocks and bonds is the best way to have enough money to be able to retire. Um, I was gonna say, so there is some really like the amount of money that you put in is uh, as much as you can lose. Like you won't end up owing money in in, the, in some way. Only in the uh, uh, yeah, as as long as you're not buying futures, and I don't want to get into that because that's another that's another like the bets like the but bets. But when you're talking. when you're buying stock, mm-hmm. the most money you can lose is what you invest. Okay. So if you invest a thousand dollars, you you can lose the thousand dollars, but you can't lose any more than that. 
You ladies are awful quiet. <laughs> I'm just processing all the information. <laughs> yeah, me too. I wasn't really too familiar with um, with much of the stock market. That's what I was telling him before. So I'm just like listening and getting the the feedback of everything you're saying. Mm -hmm. I read an article on the whole GameStop situation, but the way you said it, I guess it just clicked. Though some, I don't know why. I was just like, okay, that's what they meant by like, <laughs> like it was like borrowing, and I was like, how do you borrow and not like? I don't know. But now, now I have a little bit more understanding of like what it's like. Um, you you know, one of the things that kind of upsets me about UTRGB is. In a lot of universities, they actually have what they call a personal finance class that you have to take when you're a freshman, right? And they talk about all of this stuff. And they talk about, for example, credit cards and all of these things. Uh, uh, but we don't have that here. And I think that would help you guys a whole lot. Because it'll teach you about debt, it'll teach you about stocks, it'll it'll teach you about all of these things that you really need to know about. Mm -hmm. You know, think yeah. about it. Once you graduate, you all want good jobs that are good paying, right? And part of the benefits you get are 401ks. And so if you're investing, for example, 8% of your salary into something and you don't know what that is, you don't know what a mutual fund is, and you don't know how, how mutual funds work and how stocks work, then how are you able to make a decision? Mm -hmm. You know? And that's what bothers me, you know? But I do teach, I, I, I tell you what, you know, I, I do teach, uh, I, like this summer I'm teaching a class in wealth management and I teach students uh, how to manage money for somebody else. I'm a registered investment advisor. I actually am uh, uh, authorized by the uh, FINRA, which is the organization body of, of all of the stockbrokers. They call them Broker Dealer Association. And I had to take an exam to show that I knew the information and that I am what is called a, a fiduciary. So if you come to me and ask for uh, for uh, investing advice as a client, I have to tell you what's best for you. So I have to do things like ask you, for example, Stephanie, if you were to invest a thousand dollars tomorrow and, uh, a week later you were to lose $500, how would you feel? In my, in Natasha, I ask you the same question. You're both going to tell me maybe a different answer, right? And if I ask Jerry or uh, Garrison the same thing, they're going to tell me something different. Now, Jerry, because he's a gamer, means that he's probably highly risk tolerant. He likes risk. Okay. So he's going to tell me, well, that's all right. I'll make it up the next week. Right. Whereas you ladies are probably going to tell me, oh, no, no, I couldn't sleep at night knowing that I could lose it next week. You know, mm -hmm. so that tells me, and I, I actually give my clients a uh, kind of a, a survey or a quiz that tells me how much risk they're willing to take. Mm. And then based on the risk that they're willing to take, I develop 
a portfolio based on what their goals are. What do they want to do? They want to save money for retirement. They want to save money for a, for a boda. Do they want to save money for a, uh, a house? Do they want to save money for a car? All of those things come in. And I have to ask those things because I'm trying to get you what's best for you. Okay. And that's what a registered investment advisor does is they try to give you now they charge fees for that. Now, a lot of, um, of companies such as Schwab and Fidelity are now starting what we call robo advisors, which they're basically doing what a registered investment advisor does, but they're putting it in a, in a computer program. Mm. And they're allowing you to go in and do that at a fee that's much smaller than what I would do because I, I the expenses that I have and everything like that would, you know, it's I'm I'm going to charge you one percent. They're going to charge you a quarter of a percent on your portfolio every year, and so it makes it really easy to start off with, for example, Betterment and, and uh, robo advisors that you find. And that allows you to save your money. And they, they look at what your risk profile is and what you're trying to do with the money. And then based off that, they invest your money uh, using uh, certain algorithms that uh, take in consideration your risk and, and how you want to do it. And then they invest in, in investments that have risk that's uh, similar to what you know, you're willing to suffer or what you're willing to take. So that's what I recommend for a lot of students is that if you're, you know, trying to save money for a house, you're trying to save money for a wedding or something like that is to maybe go in and start uh, an account with one of the robo advisors and put like, and again, when you're students, you don't have any money, but when you're working, take like a hundred dollars every, every month or $200, $300, whatever you think you're going to need. And then put that into a robo advisor just to get started. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To, because it's going to give you a lot more than what you would get in a CD in a bank. And because it's put into a portfolio portfolio means that you're buying a large number of, of, of stocks, right? So there's less chance that the portfolio goes down, but it also means there's less chance that the portfolio is going to go at, you know, 200% or something like that. Right. And that's called investing as opposed to trading. Mm. So think of it this way. Trading is with one stock with the idea that you're looking for these high gains. Okay. Investing, you're saving for a goal. And it's not the idea of trying to get the money. It's trying to get the money for the wedding or the money for the house or the money for retirement. Does that make sense? All right. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Does it help? Do, do, is, I, is my explanation okay? Yeah, I think it was very informative. Definitely mm -hmm. easier to process than a lot of uh, things I was reading, trying to figure it out when the whole GameStop, GameStop thing happened. Thank you so much, Dr. Lavelle, for joining us today. I think that was very, very informative. I'm going to even look at the recording again. Uh, you just, know, to, uh, just to review. <laughs> if you have any more questions, give me a send me an email. 
I, in the future, if you want to talk about things like debt and credit card debt and how credit scores work and stuff like that, I can do. I can I you know, talk about that. Good. Okay. Yeah, thank you so much. I think. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. -bye.